The following does not represent tax, legal, or financial advice, and does not claim a guarantee of results, as every situation is unique. It also may include the tasteful use of blue-collar language that some people might find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Today we're going to talk about executing your plan now and not waiting until you actually need it because by then it may be too late. We're going to talk about self-motivation, how it's better to say that you can achieve anything instead of do anything, the main reason why businesses fail, and what is perceived value and how can you increase yours. So let's get started. I'm Anthony Crane from MondayGodfather.com and this is Quinn. This is your Money Godfather podcast, where I guide you to find clarity in defining what you want and why. I help you to build a roadmap on how to get it and I show you that you can have a great time while doing it. Because for you to be rich, you must first be free. I'm not going to lie to you, self-motivating is difficult, but there is one single ingredient that will make everything easier. Most of us are used to employers motivating us, so doing it for us. You better show up on time, do your job, one hour break for lunch, and leave no sooner than 4 p.m. Or what? I'll kill you! No, uh, or nothing, you're just not a team player. And you could get fired. Or... You're not a good culture fit for the company. Either way, no extreme is good. When self-motivating, think this next step is getting in my way. It's unavoidable, but it's necessary. And it's getting in my way in me getting to the place I want to so badly be in. A million dollars and a date with Oprah. That's why it's important to have a clear, well-defined plan. Fear the consequences of doing nothing, which should be much stronger than the discomfort of doing what you need to do to succeed. Regardless of what the circumstances are, what people around you think or what they say or what your mind says in in an attempt to persuade you to procrastinate, That which is unavoidable, like making phone calls or returning phone calls. Uh, You got to work and miss the big game. You got to skip having dinner with your friends, etc. I've said it before, entrepreneurs are the craziest people I know because they're the only ones that are willing to work 60 to 80 hours per week just to not have to hold a 40 hour a week job. So the driving forces behind most entrepreneurs is purpose, is passion, clarity on what they want to achieve. In other words, how badly do you want it? And ask yourself, why? I'm sure you've heard that four out of five small businesses fail in the first year. And then out of those that survive, four out of five fail in the next five years. So if chances are already stacked up against you, why even try? Because 
there is one main reason why these businesses fail. And that's the same for entrepreneurs. The answer is not economic shift or gentrification or new regulations or lawsuits. The answer is the loss of passion, the love of the game, of the chase, of overcoming challenges and adversity. Fear is natural. Its effects can be unpredictable if you just leave it as raw power. It's something that you have to control, and this is something we'll touch up here in a little bit. Don't let, for example, the fear of getting sued stop you from getting started. How many times a year do you think Disney gets sued, or Walmart, or McDonald's? Or how many economic downturns have they gone through? Now, yes, these are some of the most powerful companies on the planet, but they didn't all start that way. They all started small. The fear of failing can also be terrifying. That's actually what stops most people from even getting started. So in this situation, do you think fear is useful or useless? As I mentioned, to control fear, you need some tools. And sometimes what it takes is a good scare to push you in the right direction and push you over that tipping point and get started. It truly is humbling. We were born with a natural fear of the unknown, especially night and darkness, because it limits our vision. And it's unknown what might be standing right next to us. Think back to a time you went camping in the wilderness or drove a road that had nothing for miles or driving through the forest that didn't allow even the moonlight to come through. What was it like at night? Away from the city limits, street lights, other campers. You know, anyone that ever tells you, I ain't afraid of nothing, so should go see a doctor. Because that physiological reaction that we get of just thinking about it, shoulders tense, hair rising, a state of heightened alert, it's an instinct that has kept us alive for centuries. And I haven't told you yet my personal experience with absolute darkness. While in the service, on board a warship, you develop a huge respect for the ocean. All of that water is, is just potential energy that can be devastating if, uh, if a hurricane or a typhoon were to agitate it. We can see, or the horizon is 13 miles away before the curvature of the earth starts hiding things. And if you are in the middle of the ocean and there are no starlights because it's overcast and no moonlight, you experience absolute darkness. The only other thing that comes close to that is if you've ever gone cave diving. You'll know what I'm talking about. But absolute darkness, you can't see uh, past your nose. This is not an exaggeration. And my shop used to be topside, so you would have to walk in absolute darkness to get to your place of work. So just imagine for a second having to navigate through all of these obstacles, pipes sticking out of the ground, 
condenser units, firefighting stations, and finding the handles to doors to try to get into where you're going. But on your way there, it's not just the fear of knocking your knee on a chunk of metal, but what's worse is running into somebody else. And by running into somebody else, I mean literally you're walking until you feel another body in front of you. And it can be startling, to say the least. (laughs) But you have to do what you have to do, right? So the fear of failing is very real. The tools that you need to fight that particular fear is clarity and preparation. And if you can find somebody that's already been doing it, than a mentor. Now, I don't know about you, but I heard growing up that you can do anything if you just put your mind to it. What does that even mean? What if when I grow up, I want to be a monkey or a transformer? So I think a better way to say it is that you can achieve anything that you want, as long as it's grounded on reality. It has to be a real possibility of existence. You can't just say, well, I want to beat Putin in a duel and become the president of Russia. A real possibility of existence would be, I want to be a quick-draw shooting competitor and live in Russia. You know, this is achievable. So the driving forces are purpose and clarity. That's the reason why in the beginning of this podcast and every podcast, I tell you that that's what I help you achieve. It's clarity on what you want to do. Now, how are you going to get there? And make sure that your road is fun. For all those times that you feel like quitting or you're afraid of failing, your passion has to be stronger to fight that fear back. Then your logical mind kicks in, so it has to be reasonable passion. When you're confronted with the question of, well, what is it that I should do? That is something that depends on you, on your, on your skills, on your knowledge, on your resources. What are your resources? What do you know how to do? What can you do that is better than everybody else? Change is good. It's sometimes what it takes is a good scare. I don't know where I read it, but it said something terrifying that most people in the United States, at least, are just one emergency away from going personally bankrupt. I'm trying to do my part, so that's not you. And if it currently is you, that's okay. Let's change that. Start acting now. Execute your plan now. That's what this episode is all about. So let's talk about perceived value. Your perceived value also grows with how much you know. What are your skills? The three elements that make a deal, and by a deal, I mean mean anything. You know, you want to contract somebody to paint your house, somebody to mow your yard. You need three elements. You need somebody with the skills, somebody with the time, and somebody with the money. That's it. It's, It's that simple. So if you don't have one of those, you go find somebody that complements what you do have. Chances are extremely low that somebody is going to just come up to you out of the blue looking for your services 
So that's where advertising and marketing comes into play. But Godfather, I don't have any skills. I don't know how to do nothing. Without getting too much into it, I have been asked before, okay, if I only had $100, what should I invest it in? Should I put it in the stock market? On a mutual fund? Let it sit there for 5 to 7 years for, I don't know, 2% interest? Should I open an IRA? The very best thing that I can tell you is that if I were starting over and I only had $100, I would spend it on growing myself, my skills. I would acquire a skill. Let's look for a class that costs $100 of a skill that I can leverage with my time to find somebody with the money and exchange those three things. And a lot of skills are have a very low barrier of entry to start with. And then they have the potential to grow to become huge companies. Like in the example of landscaping. Most of us know how to push a lawnmower. And if you don't know, the barrier of entry is not that high. You can learn in probably 20 minutes. And you can make money of just doing that, just, just mowing the lawn. Now, if you know how to landscape, that is your opportunity to grow your business. So not only do I mow the lawn, I also, I can use an edger and make it look nice and sharp. I know that the bushes you have there aren't native to this area and that's why they're dry. I know how to install sprinkler systems. So you don't have to worry about watering your lawn anymore. It could be done automatically for you. I can build you a rock fountain and make it look like it's a, a river going through your front lawn. How about that? The possibilities are endless, but it starts with, for lack of a better term, getting started. If you have $100 to your name, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, or any big box store in your area, and ask for rental equipment. How much does it cost to rent a lawnmower or a pressure washer? Pressure washing is another one of those skills that have a low barrier of entry. You can learn how to use a pressure washer in like 20 minutes and then charge people to pressure wash their driveway or, or their house. The best ideas come to us when we are faced with a crisis, when there's an emergency. When you're put between a sword and a hard place, your instincts kick in, right? The fight or flight, or unless you're Bambi, flop. Flop is also a choice. If the threat is unemployment or going bankrupt, you can't exactly fly. There's nowhere you can go. A lot of people choose to flop, and uh, that's terrible. I don't want you to be one of those people. I want you to fight. But then how do you fight? Is not just raw power, but with direction, with tools. You start with a plan. You keep your ego in check and increase your value. The very first thing that you have to do to learn a new skill is you have to suck at it. So if you suck at doing something, you already have a head start. You'll hear me say this time and time again. Money trees are everywhere. You just have to show up and pluck the bills off of their branches. They look like opportunities. The more your skills and your resources, the higher the opportunities. 
and it's also directly proportional to how much money you can charge. So with more skills, what you're going to have is perceived value. So what is perceived value? Well, I find that the analogy of money is that it behaves very much like like water. Water always flows downriver from the highest points in the mountain to the lowest points being at sea level. As the water flows, so does money. Money flows from those that care the least about money to those who care the most about it. It's all about perceived value. If I ask you right now, hey, can I have $1,000? Would you give it to me? Without hesitation, without any explanation, $1,000. Well, if no, then how about $100? How about a dollar? How about a penny? See, we all have a threshold of perceived value for everything. Now, right now I'm talking about money because it's a concept that everyone can relate to. In reality, there is 8 billion people currently living on the planet. If each of them gave you a single penny once, how much money would that be? Well, don't hurt yourself. I'll just give you the answer. That's $80 million. So let's start collecting you some pennies, right? Now, here's another example where you have the knowledge and the currency is not money, actually. This is a story that I saw on The Walking Dead. It's one of my guilty pleasures. It was great until season five, I think, and then, I don't know, it had mixed reviews. But anyway, there is this story that made me go, oh, that's a great story. I got to write that one down. And it was a story of the famous rock soup. So if you know, The Walking Dead is about post-apocalyptic. There are zombies everywhere, but nobody calls them zombies. But the appeal of the show is the drama of the people that are surviving. The zombies is more of a backdrop to that world. So survival is the main thing. As you can imagine, money really doesn't have any value other than the paper that you can burn for for warmth. Your perceived value when you try to join a settlement comes from what skills do you have. So the story of the rock soup was, if I'm recalling correctly, is about this one person that wanted to join a settlement and he said, well, my skill is I have a recipe and it's famous where I come from. I can make soup out of rocks. It's my famous rock soup. So that's not something anybody has ever heard before. They're like, well, that's disgusting. But if it works, yeah, sure. You know, give it a shot. Let's, uh, let's see what this famous rock soup is all about. What this person did was he went to the kitchen and he got like a big pot and started boiling water and, uh, then went out to the garden where people were, were in the garden. They were working and he asked like, Hey, um, I ran out of tomatoes. I'm making my rock soup and I ran out of tomatoes. You know, you mind if I take a couple from here? Like, yeah, sure. Help yourself. All right, cool. He would go to the other person like, Hey, you know, I, I ran out of onion. Can I, uh, do you mind if I take an onion from you? 
like, yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of onions. You can take as many as you want. Nice. Okay, thank you. Went next door to the house next door. Like, hey, um, I ran out of salt. You mind if I take some salt? You see where I'm going with this? And that's what he did throughout the entire settlement. Just took a little bit from everyone else's resources because he knew what to do with it. That night, they had the most delicious soup. And guess what was one ingredient it did not have? Rocks. It was just vegetable soup. But they knew how to make it. And in the hype, I guess you could say he was marketing himself, you know, as this, uh, as somebody with a skill of making amazing soup. So you already have that power of persuasion and suggestion. On a side note, any, if you want any food to taste delicious, the main thing you can do is use fresh vegetables. That's what he did with a little bit of salt, a little bit of garlic. Delicious. So the end of the story is everybody liked it and then they kicked him out anyway because they didn't like that he didn't know how to fight zombies or something like that. I don't know. I'm kidding. No, he's, he stayed. He's, he's fine. I think, uh, he, he's, he was sick for a little while, I think, but no, he's okay. He's fine. Maybe. Anyways, food for thought. Increase your value. There are countless skills out there that you can learn. And the only way you can start to even count them is to go out there and try to learn. Pay attention. What do people need? How can I help? If helping people is at the forefront of your compass to find your purpose and therefore find the passion to get through all the rough times while you are learning new skills, you'll be fine. What do people need and how can I help? And how hard would it be for me to learn that skill? In the previous examples, man, I only have a hundred bucks. All right, go rent a, a lawnmower and knock on everybody's door. Hey, can I mow your lawn for 50 bucks? You just need to mow two lawns and you already made your money back. But you're leveraging your time and your skill. Now, if you make 200 bucks, and then go rent a pressure washer and come back like, hey, can I pressure wash your driveway for a hundred bucks? You see where I'm going with this? Leverage. Moral of the story, please don't wait until there's an emergency or you're being faced with unemployment or retirement before you execute your plan. And if you don't have a plan, the first thing to do is to make one. And if you don't know how to make plans, the first thing you have to do is suck at it. And I'm, and seriously, that's that's what you have to do. You just have to start. Make the first one. It's not going to be perfect. That's okay too. But the experience that you'll gain by making that first plan will help you to make the second one better and better and better. And you'll get better. If you want shortcuts, you find somebody that already did it. And now you have a mentor. But that's a conversation for another time. I invite you to share this message with someone you care about. And if I've earned it, please rate this episode so other people can see it. Every episode is an important piece to get you closer to freedom, to financial freedom, social freedom, personal freedom. And as I told you before, 
Money does grow on trees. I'll be showing you what they look like. I gotta go and mow my grass now, but we'll talk again soon, okay? Take care.